Well, let's uh, yeah. okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, gather together with this group of people uh, that are here, those that join us via the podcast, those that join us online uh, via the stream. And uh, I just pray that uh, you'll open your word to us, that we will make ourselves available to you, that we'll pay attention to what your spirit is trying to say to us. And uh, they will, we will um, allow you to move us the direction that you want to move us. And I uh, pray that I won't say anything that uh, is just uh, merely human in nature, um, but uh, that uh, you will help me to explain these things as far as I understand them, as far as I believe you have uh, revealed them to me through your word. Um, but I pray that everybody will tune into the Holy Spirit as the Spirit seeks to speak to them. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians. And um, I spent an extended period of time last Wednesday talking about uh, what I said is the, what I believe is the spirit of the age, at least here in the United States, um, the, the zeitgeist there. And I'll let you go and listen to last week if you would like to uh, uh, see what I think about that. And I quoted from Vody Bauckham's book, um, Fault Lines, several times there. But uh, this whole section that we're in right now is talking about your spirit and God's spirit and what it means to be spiritual. A lot of people will say, well, I'm not religious, I'm just spiritual. I don't go to church, I'm just spiritual. Okay, uh, what does that mean? Well, I, I just sort of feel God, you know. I just kind of go out and just sense God, and what does that mean? See, being spiritual is um, a very, very subjective way of saying that you are privately religious. You have your own private approach to religion or faith or whatever term you want to use, or spirituality. There, there's another term that's used uh, a lot. But what we're discovering here is that to be genuinely spiritual means that you have had your spirit. That's something that is uniquely human as far as God's creation here on earth, right? You have a spirit. That's what discriminates you from the rest of creation. You have been made in the image of God. You have a spirit. But when we're born, we could say we're born spiritually disabled. We're, we're not able to fully access uh, anything in the spiritual. Uh, I used to say spiritually dead. I'm not sure if that's entirely accurate. Perhaps another uh, metaphor would be to be spiritually numb, or perhaps another metaphor, spiritually deaf. But nonetheless, we need to be spiritually reborn if we're going to understand what God is trying to say to us. For you to be spiritual is not about you feeling a certain way about God or having certain feelings as you go throughout the day that you construe as spiritual. Because spiritual really is not um, aligned with feelings necessarily at all. It is a unique uh, 
sense that a human being has. And what I've said is that the organ of sense for the spirit is faith, right? So faith, not just as I believe in something in my head, but as we might say, I believe in something in my heart. And the way God speaks to you, if you are willing to receive that, is through your spirit. So if your spirit has not been awakened, enlivened, healed, right? If you have not been reborn, it's not possible for you to be spiritual. It's not possible, right? So let's, uh, let's take a look at this again. We're going to go um, back to verse 10 once again. Where are we at? 1 Corinthians 2, 10. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, right? So he revealed what he's talking about, excuse me, is the wisdom that God will grant to those who are spiritually mature, right? He said that he focused on the message of the cross, the gospel, with the Corinthians. But he said, for the spiritually mature, we do impart wisdom, but it is a wisdom that comes from the spirit. These things then, this spiritual wisdom, God has revealed through the spirit. The Holy Spirit is, what he's, is who he's referring to. For the spirit, once again, the Holy Spirit, searches everything, even the depths of God. Friends, that's what you should be striving for. That's what you should be yearning for. That's what you should be craving. This is going away. Stop clinging to the earth. It's all passing away. It's temporary. We're so tuned in to this life and this world and the circumstances and vicissitudes of this life. And what God is seeking to do is to turn you upward, if you will, right? And even that's just a way of looking at it. And we always consider God to be up. Well, that's... Um, uh, I think that that's appropriate because God is above us, as in he's the one that created us, he's the authority and so forth. But that looking up doesn't mean God is somehow any more in the sky than he is around you and within you, right? God is omnipresent, we would say. Um, but we should be striving, craving, desiring to hear from the Spirit, right? Verse 11, for who knows a person's thoughts, right? Uh, the literal here is who knows a man's thoughts. This idea of personhood and selfhood and so forth is, is very uh, enlightenment, uh, really even 20th century. Uh, who knows, uh, but again, in Greek and in Hebrew, when it says a man, it's not, it's not even referring to gender, right? It means a person. And most of you are in this room are, uh, you're older, so you haven't been raised in this generation that is so ridiculously hypersensitive to these issues. But nonetheless, that's why these translations will say a person. Who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person? Now he switches from talking about the spirit of God to your spirit. Friend, you have a spirit. Your spirit is not your brain. Your spirit is something other 
than anything you can sense or perceive through your five senses, right? Your spirit is the way God brings you to life, right? So the first man, Adam, which means man, by the way, um, the scripture says that God formed man from the dust of the earth, that's the body, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. That is the same word as the word spirit in Hebrew. And the man became a living being or a living soul. So the human soul is the composite, the combination, the inextricable uh, uh, bonding of spirit and body. That's the human soul. So you have a spirit. Um, he says, who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person that is within him. So this is very interesting. Um, that word know there is a Greek word, um, oida, and it means to possess information about, to know about, right? Um, uh, to have knowledge of or to be acquainted with. So your spirit knows what you're thinking. That makes sense? No one knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him. The only way anybody else knows your thoughts is if you open your mouth and you make them known. I'm one of these people that just talks all the time. You've figured that out probably, right? I used to get myself in trouble all the time because I would just, I've told you guys that you all, you all talk to yourselves, we sub-vocalize, but some of us are louder th about that than others. And I've always been that person. So I've told this story in church before, I'll hold my place here, but it'll give you kind of a chance to relax in your thinking a bit. Um, my stepdad uh, was uh, really pretty much there for me from the time I was nine until he and my mom got divorced when I was 16. And even then he was there for me in many respects. Um, but I used to kind of tail him around. And this is, this is what teenage boys need, right? Now, it's difficult in single homes with moms that don't have a dad there. Well, I didn't have a you know biological dad there, but I tailed him around, went everywhere he went. And he had a shop, like this big building he had race boats there and he had a World War II trainer aircraft that was there. And there were just all of these just cool mechanical things there, right? Uh, he had a World War II, vintage World War II Jeep, a CJ2, and he used to let me drive it. But he said, no, you can't drive it forward. You have to drive it in reverse. So there's a big brick pile in the middle of the shop and I used to get in this CJ2 Jeep and he'd let me drive it as long as I wanted to, but I had to drive it in reverse around the brick pile. Well, his thinking was, you know, this is, this is gonna make you careful and learning how to, you know, all that stuff. But um, the idea that women are the only ones that like to talk to one another, right? Gab, whatever term you wanna use, is erroneous. Men can throw down, listen. They can talk into all hours of the night and oftentimes about things that are far less significant than women talk about. 
Right? They can have these lengthy arguments about, you know, the difference between a Ford truck and a Chevy truck or, you know, why the Dallas Cowboys can't win a Super Bowl or anything that is, you know, pretty much irrelevant like that. So my dad was talking to, and I always say my dad when I'm not around him, I've never been able to call him anything other than Bill to his face, just never worked. But um, he's talking to a friend of his, and I don't even remember who it was, okay? So he's talking to this guy. And you know, I'm, I'm a teenager, I'm hungry. And the sun is going down and it's time to go home. I'm ready to go home. He's talking to this guy. The guy gets in his car and I'm thinking, oh, thank, thank the Lord. Actually, I wasn't Christian then, so I probably didn't say thank the Lord. I just probably said thank you. The guy gets in the car and uh, they continue talking. And so the guy starts the car and they continue talking. And I mean, this is for a very long time. The guy literally puts the car in gear and puts his foot on the brake and they continue talking. <laughs> At some point in the midst of this lengthy, lengthy Goodbye. part, parting, <laughs> the guy said, okay, well, I gotta go. And I said, good. <laughs> I wasn't trying to be rude. I was, I was just talking out loud and it'll just get you in trouble every time, right? Yeah. But you have these thoughts in your, in your head. Maybe you might say in your heart, you know, go deeper. And the only person that knows those thoughts is you. But see, this ability to have self-reflection comes because you have a spirit. Right? The spirit, I guess you would say, is like a mirror. It's reflecting back to you. So you're not just thinking and going forward. You have the ability to consider what that means because the spirit reflects that back. But people that are not genuinely spiritual don't typically have that degree of insight. That makes sense. Their mirror is dirty. They can't see what's being reflected back. Um, so... Um, who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of the person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now this is another but related word, ginosko, right? And um, it means to possess information about, to know, to know about, to, let's go to the complete definition here. Uh, to be acquainted with, right? So very similar to the other word. In fact, the other word is related to this word, but it's, it's a bit different. Um, no one comprehends or knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So I think that this word perhaps uh, would reflect a uh, maybe a closer knowledge, uh, a more comprehensive knowledge maybe. Verse 12, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Now, I want you to notice this. In English, this word spirit, so we don't express the gender of a noun in English, right? In Greek, in Spanish, nouns have gender. There are feminine nouns, there are masculine nouns, and there are neuter nouns. So, 
when we use the word spirit, what is, um, what is the way we would refer to a spirit, a spirit? Would we typically um, say he, she, or it? You would say it, right? A woman, she, a man is he, right? But the spirit is a, is a neuter noun in English. However, the Holy Spirit is not an it because it would refer to a thing. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. It's very, very dangerous to think of the spirit as being some sort of substance like electricity or something. The spirit is the third person of the Trinity, a person. So we're going to refer to the spirit as a, a person, and that's what you see here. We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who, right? If this were a typical way of referring to the, the spirit, um, we would use a relative pronoun like uh, which, or we might change the construction there and say the spirit that is from God. But when you refer to a person, you don't do that. There's more respect that's there, right? This is the spirit who is from God. So I want to caution you when you refer to the Holy Spirit to use those personal pronouns, not that impersonal pronoun, it, right? Or which, the relative pronoun there, right? Um, this is a person you're referring to, the third person of the Trinity. The Trinity is co-equal coexistent and co-eternal, or we wouldn't have really one God. We would have really three gods, you know, a main God and these two subsidiary gods. And that's not what we have. We have one God, okay? I don't know if I'm going over your head or if you're just bored. Um, <laughs> and we impart this in words, all right? So, he says, uh, let me finish. Let me go back up and read verse 12 again. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. I didn't get the last phrase there. That, in order that, we might understand the things freely given us by God. Stop. Before I go to 13, I'm glad I went back and read that. You can't understand all that God has for you except through the Holy Spirit. I can throw words out there at you, right? But the best that we have is, let's go to Revelation. We're talking about pearly gates and streets of gold and, you know, uh, a city where there's no temple because, you know, God is everywhere. Uh, there's, there's no need for the, the sun um, because God is the light. These are all ways of expressing what the Holy Spirit wants to communicate to you on a much deeper level. When we get into this literal thinking where we're trying to imagine walking on streets of gold, that's, to be honest, that's really not the point. You've got to understand what the Spirit, and see, I think this is where on both sides of the interpretive aisle, um, people are too literal when they look at Scripture like this, okay? Um, well, then these streets are going to literally be of gold. And God is trying to communicate something that is deeper than that. 
okay? Um, you know, it talks about, you know, uh, the foundations uh, being of certain stones and, and all of this. This is all symbolism. It's very powerful symbolism. And the spirit needs to, or you need to be open to allow the spirit to communicate to you on a deeper level about this because the life that we're going to have with God is um, beyond our comprehension in this world, okay? So if we're gonna understand what God has in store for us, we can't be constantly thinking about harps and clouds and you know these sorts of things. And this is why people think heaven is gonna be boring. As <laughs> you're hung up on the symbol, Again, it's, you know, it's the illustration that I gave you guys a week ago or two weeks ago um, that uh, it's, I need to go look it up so I can figure out which movie it's in. But it's one of, the, one of the Bruce Lee movies where he's talking to this little disciple and he said, this is the finger. The finger points to the stars. But if you want to see the stars, you cannot look at the finger. But this is exactly what people are doing all the time, staring at the finger. Oh, that's a beautiful finger, God. That's really awesome. Is that what heaven is gonna be like? A finger? No. This is beyond what we're capable of understanding apart from the Holy Spirit. You've got to let the Spirit speak to you on that deeper level. Now, that doesn't mean dispense with the symbols and uh, allegorize them or uh, treat them as if they're insignificant. But if I'm going to really understand, I've got to have the Holy Spirit, and I have to have a Spirit that has been enlivened, that has been reborn, that has been healed, or I can't understand any of this. I'm going to keep reading, and you'll see that that is the case. He says, we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual, right? Or that can be translated two other ways, interpreting spiritual truths in spiritual language or comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Well, really, it embraces all three of those ideas. Only the spiritual person is going to be able to receive these things. Um, these spiritual truths have to be communicated with spiritual language, and therefore, overall, we are comparing the spiritual with the spiritual. So if this doesn't make any sense to you, listen to the next sentence, because it may mean you need a spiritual revival. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, they're foolishness to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned or spiritually uh, judged. The spiritual person judges all things, and the reason why I said judged or discerned is because it's the same word in Greek. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself judged or appraised by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. All right. So um, let me go here. I want to conclude a little thought from, uh, from last week. 
Um, hang on just one second here. So uh, verse, uh, I think it's verse 11 there. We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand things freely given us by God. I went to extended discussion about the spirit of the world, the zeitgeist, right? But let's talk about um, the other side of that equation, and that is uh, the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. We who know Christ authentically, actually, really know Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. Okay, listen, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't have Christ. There's not, oh, I got saved here, and then I got the Holy Spirit over here. You might have gotten filled with the Spirit over here, right? You might have had a profound experience with the Spirit over here, but that doesn't mean you didn't have the Spirit over here, because if you didn't have the Spirit over here, you didn't have Christ over here either. The Holy Spirit is the person of God that brings Christ into you, that gives you rebirth and makes you a little Christ. What does the word Christian mean? Little Christ. And something I might say at the National Day of Prayer tomorrow, we'll see what the Lord leads me to say, is that um, Christians were first called by that name at Antioch, the first Gentile city. And the reason, that's in scripture, but the reason why that term stuck is because Christians were so much about Jesus. They were absorbed in and obsessed with Jesus. And the Latin term is Christus. Greek term is Christos. Christus, Christus, Christus. All they talk about is Christus. They're Christians. Yeah. Now, what does Christian mean? It's devoid of really any kind of spiritual meaning. Right? It's a very, very broad term. In fact, it's so broad as to almost be meaningless. But see, if I'm genuinely a Christian, it's not just my interest in Jesus, right? There are scholars that are interested in the historical Jesus, but they're not Christians in that first century sense of someone who is absorbed with, obsessed with, focused on, and we would say filled with Christ. They're just filled with curiosity, right? So. You've got this uh, fellow named Bart Ehrman, who was formerly a professed Christian, who now does nothing but seek to debunk the Bible and discredit Christianity, and uh, he's made a lot of money at it. John Piper is uh, a uh, very famous uh, writer, speaker, pastor. He's a Calvinist, so I disagree with him on a lot of things. but. He's genuinely a Christian, genuinely loves Jesus. And he now has a son who I think once was at least professing to be a believer. Uh, but he has a, a son, Abraham Piper, who now spends all of his time doing the same thing as Bart Ehrman, debunking and mocking Christ and the scriptures. See, you can be about 
Jesus and have these different opinions about Jesus. You know, you got people that have this Gnostic idea of Jesus, which we wouldn't really know anything about, except Dan Brown wrote a fantasy novel called The Da Vinci Code, where he revived this ancient heresy, but then just spun it in a completely different way. It was back in the early 2000s. There's all sorts of different ideas about Jesus, and people can be interested in their idea of Jesus, but it's the same thing as focusing on the finger. You're not looking at Jesus. You're looking at somebody's idea about Jesus, somebody's opinion of Jesus. The Muslims have an idea about Jesus. He's a great prophet. They don't believe he died on the cross. He's not the greatest prophet. He's not as great as Muhammad. They actually believe he's gonna return. Did you know that? But he did not die on the cross. That's not the historical Jesus. The, Muslim, the Mormons have an idea of Jesus. This is the son of God, but this is the God of our planet and there are gods of many planets. And in fact, you can become a God. That's not Jesus. This is Jesus who came to America and preached the gospel to these ethnic groups that there's no uh, archaeological or other evidence to indicate ever existed. That's not Jesus either, right? The Jesus we're talking about is the Jesus of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the authorized biographies of Jesus. The so-called Gospel of Thomas or the Gospel of Judas. These are Gnostic documents that came along later when that group of Neoplatonist esoteric philosophers wanted to take Jesus to name their philosophy and give it a good name. See, people take Jesus and slap it on their philosophy or slap it on their political beliefs or slap it on their new religion all the time because that name is a good name. And they want that association of a good name with what they think. People do that on an individual level too. We make Jesus in our own image. And that's not Jesus either. So if we're going to know what God has for us, and if we're going to know Jesus, then we've got to have the Holy Spirit. That's what Romans 8 9 says, that we have to have the Spirit if we're going to have Christ. Um, that's the way Christ enters and is formed in the heart of the believer. So when I receive Christ, I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to enter my heart, to renew my spirit, and to dwell with me, speaking to my spirit as he chooses. The Holy Spirit gives us insight into the promises and plans of God for us both individually and collectively. That means you personally, your family, your church, your city, your state, your nation, right? God has a plan. Um, so uh, let's move on to the next verse. He says, we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. So two other translations capture the two other uh, possible trans, uh, translations of that uh, phrase there. The New King James Version says, these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, and here's that phrase, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. That's actually the most literal right there. The New Living Translation, now that's gonna go the opposite direction and be less literal, but probably will be more understandable to you. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak, excuse me, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. So again, what I would tell you is I think that all three of those ideas are contained in that phrase, 
right? It is comparing the spiritual with the spiritual, which means spiritual ideas, right? And we're saying that with spiritual words, um, but we're also speaking to people who are capable of receiving it, spiritual people. So if you are sharing with someone and they just don't seem to get it, just quit. You're not being hateful, right? They don't get it because they're not ready. Now, the universal language is love. Just love them. Shine the light, be available, and periodically let them know who you represent and why you're saying that. But don't, don't spend all this time trying to convince people. It's honestly, it's fruitless because they don't, they can't get it. Until they have been spiritually revived, they cannot understand what you're saying. It's folly to them. That's what the verse later says, right? Um, so, um, something that I would say here, he talks about imparting this with spiritual words that are not taught by human wisdom. Um, when you are talking to someone and they do need to be receptive, but you know, when you're speaking to them and they seem to be listening, um, you don't need to be clever or entertaining, right? I, I mean, you know, periodically I think of an example or I might try to say something that I think would, would be humorous to you or entertaining to you, um, but I'm just not good at that right? Oh, we just have a slamming church full of people, all right? You know, you got somebody that's like a comedian, yeah. you know, that just can keep everybody just, wow. <laughs> you know, I went to that church and I just feel so good about myself when I left. But what did you learn? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> that God is good. I'm a good person. Uh, that the Lord wants me to be rich. I don't know. You know. We don't need to be clever or entertaining when we're speaking to people who are inhabited by and paying attention to the Holy Spirit. We just allow the Spirit to inspire our words and remind us of the truth of the Bible, which we've been taught. So this is why I drive you back into the Scripture. This is why I, I, we have the, the, the Word up here or down here for you guys. Um, so that you can read along, but you really, really need to have your own Bible. Now, whether you're able to interact with a, an online Bible and make it your own, right? Um, or whether you have a paper Bible. Uh, I don't know what works for you, but it needs to be your own Bible that you're driving yourself into, digging into, right? And it needs to be something that makes sense to you. So not everybody can, you know, I mean, I read, you know, on my phone all the time, you know, you've got the Bible app that's that's on your phone and and I read books on my phone and I got a new case for my phone. That looks cool. Right. It, you know, I you get that on, on your on your uh, on your phone. You can get it on your, you know, your uh, whatever you've got, your Kindle. Um, I've got Bibles on my Kindle and it's easier to pay attention to that because it's just an LCD screen, and but it's hard to find stuff in there. It's hard to dig through the menu, and it's even harder to me than just you know flipping through a Bible Bible. Um, I just bought this device, and we're gonna see. I've got a 30-day trial on it, but I just bought this device called uh, Remarkable, 
and it's supposed to be just like paper. You say, well, why don't you just use paper? Well, I like paper, I like writing, but I don't like keeping track of everything. The beauty of all of this stuff that we have is you can find anything that you want to find, right? You, you remember like just a little phrase from that verse? You used to have to flip through your Bible. Where did I highlight that? Where was that? Where is that? Now you just enter the search term. It just takes you right to it. I highlight stuff. You know, if I'm going through Kindle as, a, as an example, and you know, I'm reading a novel, and I highlight passages in the novel. I can go back to that novel and click, and I have all my highlights. Dude, that's just awesome. I have boxes and boxes and boxes of books sitting in storage right now. I don't have access to those. I have books on bookshelves up here. I, honestly, I rarely read those anymore because I can access these others. Now, the downside of this is, you know, you've got Amazon who thinks that they own the world now and they're responsible for, they, they distribute, I think it's like 80% of books in the world right now. So they just get to cancel whatever they wanna cancel. I'm guaranteeing you, time is coming. They're gonna stop selling the Bible. And if you got Bibles on your Kindle and whatever, I would bet that they will stop making that available even though you bought it. Because the Bible is deeply, deeply offensive to this culture. The Bible is telling them what they don't want to hear, right? This is why people like this Abraham Piper fella and Bart Ehrman, I mean, they just want to discredit the Bible. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's powerful. They don't want you to read it. So make sure you do have paper copies of the Bible. I'm still going to use these. But anyway, this remarkable device is like you can write on it and you can get EPUB books and read them on it. But the main thing is you can write on it and you know, then you've got those notes available to you. You can uh, you know, OCR, optical character recognition it, and it'll turn it into regular text. But there's something about writing. It, it's you're closer to what you're communicating when you're actually putting it in your own letters. I don't know what it is. I mean, I can go faster and think and everything when I'm typing, but I, you know, half the time, I'm such a klutz when it concerns typing. It's just sad. I've been typing for you know 40 plus years, um, or longer than that, when I was in high school. And I mean, it's just, I constantly make mistakes when I type, and it's even worse on these stupid phones. I've got this huge screen, primarily so that I can poke at those letters, I always, always, always make mistakes. And it's so frustrating. And it pulls me away from what I'm trying to say because I'm mad at the device. So what I'm hoping is that maybe this will be a way for me to, you know, kind of get away from that, get away from the distraction. You know, that's why I appreciate Adrian being up there and doing the scripture for you over here. That way I don't have to worry about trying to find it and look for it. It's distracting, right? So the closer you can get to the word, the closer you can get to the Bible, the better. So what works for you is what you ought to use, right? Have the Bible app on your phone because then it'll go with you wherever you go. But as far as your own personal reading, you've got to look at what works for you. Now, a lot of folks like to um, use the, the narration that's available on many translations in the Bible app. So you just click it and it reads it to you. You can read along with it or it reads it to you. You can be in your car. 
right? And you just click it and, and it rolls. I've told you guys that I have uh, the complete Word of Promise Bible, which came out in 2004, and you can probably get a hold of it a lot cheaper than I did. Um, I originally got it as uh, MP3s on, on uh, CDs and imported them. But if you just look up Word of Promise Bible, uh, you'll probably be able to access it. You can download it on your phone. Uh, it uses credible, really, really good uh, actors, many of whom you, you would uh, recognize that are reading these various uh, scriptures. And, and there are others that are available. But see, I, I, I'm really not concerned about whether you're listening to it or whether you're reading, because not everybody's a really good you know, reader. I, you need to get close to the Word of God because the Spirit of God is going to use the Scripture. Not weird thoughts and ideas, but the Scripture, the revealed Word of God in the Bible, He's going to bring those things to your remembrance, right? Listen to what uh, Jesus promised in John 14, 25 and 26. This is Jesus promising us the Holy Spirit. He says, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. That's what the Holy Spirit is going to do. He's your teacher. He's the one that's going to remind you. But you have to, I, I look at it this way. You've got to have tools. So even though I drive these leased vehicles and I'm probably just going to, you know, call Nissan and, you know, figure out when I can have it towed over so that they can fix their own vehicle because I'm going to lease this thing for three years, I got one more year on it, and then I'm going to give it back to them because I want them to fix it. I don't want to fix it. The cars are so sophisticated now, you can't even really fix your own car anymore anyway. You can change the tire. You can change the oil. That's about it. I mean, who knows what's going on in there these days, right? Um, but you, if you're going to work on anything, whatever it is, your vacuum cleaner might break down or something, um, you got to have tools. You, you can't just do it with nothing. The Holy Spirit needs tools. Well, he doesn't need anything, but understand that I'm talking about how he works in you. He's going to use the tools that you give him to use. So even with this truck that I'm leasing, I have a little bag of tools in the back of it, right? And, you know, I drag that out and use that all the time, uh, carry around a little multi-tool, right? You know, those little got screwdrivers and you know, hole punches and knives and scissors and, you know, all these other things. I carry one of those in there as well because then I can fix something if I need to fix something. The Holy Spirit wants to use these tools. You need to make them available. You need to submit yourself and surrender yourself and get into the word. It's important. So Jesus told the disciples, and this is what I'm kind of, rather than preparing set remarks for tomorrow, uh, I've thought a lot about what uh, the direction that I want to take. And of course, uh, Moses gave us verses to, um, to go off of. But Jesus told the disciples not to worry about planning what they would say in advance. See, you prepare all the time. Now, honestly, 
I could arrive on Sunday morning five minutes before I step up on the stage and preach a 50-minute message to you. Why? Because I think about it all the time. Because I've been preparing for this since I was 21 years old. If I can't do that, I'm in the wrong business, so to speak. So you just pray and then you do what the Lord leads you. Now, not everybody can do that, but you can do what the Lord has led you to do. You can step into that situation with that person that you're worried about talking to. And the Holy Spirit will guide you and lead you. And you may feel like you're fumbling around, but you know, going back several weeks, the Apostle Paul said very clearly to the Corinthians that he felt uh, you know, like he was afraid and his words were not, uh, not very well spoken, but he spoke with power. That's something that you can't simulate. The Holy Spirit gives the power. So, you know, you're going to have people that uh, you're concerned about, that you want to talk to, that you want to share with. And you can count on the fact that the Holy Spirit will give you the words. Listen to what uh, uh, the Lord says, Jesus says in Matthew 10, 19 and 20. But when they hand you over, don't worry about how or what you should speak. So he's talking about when they get persecuted and when they get arrested. For you will be given what to say at that hour because you are not speaking, but the spirit of your father is speaking through you. Folks, that's what we need. We need to stop popping off and spouting our opinions. Well, I think, and I feel, and I don't care. I don't even care what I think and what I feel. I wanna know what God thinks. I wanna know what God wants. My goodness, we're in the internet age, everybody's got an opinion. And they, they're so self-assured. And it's sad because you can be so self-assured about lies. I mean, it doesn't matter. We're, I'm not talking, you think I'm talking about all oh, these people, these leftists, you know, they're all like that. No, there's people over on the right too. Yeah, this QAnon group that just, I mean, they've got, they just know, you know, it's Hillary Clinton was eating babies and, you know, it's, no, it's ridiculous. It's, it's outrageous. And you just got people that are just sitting there making stuff up and going, well, watch this. I'm going to put this out there and millions of people are going to believe it. Even worse, and we're going to get these people elected and they're going to spend trillions of dollars so that these people will implement policies on the basis of these false beliefs. Man, we need the spirit of truth worse than we've ever needed the spirit of truth. And we need humility. We, we don't need more self-assurance. We need more humility. That's what we need. We need a willingness to rely on the spirit. Opinions are like noses. Just about everybody's got one. Some of them are big, some of them are little, some of them are crooked, some of them are straight. You know what I'm saying? They're all informed by the internet. We all learn what we learn from a Google search, you know? The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, they're foolishness. And he's not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. I've really been dancing around this verse the whole time. Um, so let's just establish clearly, there's two types of people walking the planet, the natural person and the spiritual person. That's just the way it is. And there's plenty of natural people that are going to church. 
There's plenty of natural people that are very religious. This isn't just atheists. And by the way, the words there in Greek, the word translated the natural person, psychikos. The word translated spiritual, pneumatikos. The word for soul in Greek is psuche. The word for spirit in Greek is pneuma. Psuchikos is a soulish person. It's just about the natural, right? My mind, my brain. You hear people talk about my brain. My brain told me. Your brain is thinking all the time, right? The universe is telling me. The universe is not telling you anything. The universe is inanimate. It's not intelligent. The God who created the universe may be trying to speak to you, or the devil may be trying to speak to you, or you may be just thinking thoughts that other people have already spoken and you just don't remember that they spoke them to you. There's two types of people. There's the soulish person and the spiritual person. Those who live in the, the natural have yet to be reborn spiritually, or they might be ignoring the enlightenment that they've previously received. Again, we're not naturally spiritual. That has to happen to us, right? But in the end, if you're constantly preoccupied with this world and the things of this world, you need to be spiritually reborn. And if that is ringing true to you right now, if you sense the need for that, that's a good thing. That means Jesus is knocking on the door. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens to me, I will come into him. He will sup with me and I with him. We'll have a meal together. In other words, we'll fellowship. But you know, the old painting of that, that, that symbolizes that, has a door and Jesus is standing there at the door and there's no handle on the outside. Because God's not going to force his way into your life. You just want to keep being a worldly person, a natural person, a fleshly person. Okay, then this is all you got. I hope the best for atheists because this is the best they can hope for. And there's not such a good outcome that they're going to encounter later. So I hope that you open your heart to the presence of the Holy Spirit and ask him to live inside of you, right? So we'll continue, uh, we'll finish up with uh, two next week and we'll start with three. And when we start with three, we'll, we'll start looking at the divisions that were in this church, okay? So God bless you guys. I appreciate you very much. God bless you guys and uh, join us again next.